Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Game Time. Okay guys, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Wizards tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. time in six months I'm recording a post-game episode of Wizards After Dark. Things are back to normal. We're after dark. Actually, for the first time in six months, I'm actually recording during dark. Normally, I record after dark. But now we're back to Wizards during dark. What does that I'm, even mean? Well, it's uh, Wizards After Dark, and everybody says after dark, and they assume nighttime, but that's actually during dark. It's dark. But the daytime is after dark. It's also before dark. I, I mean... The only time you're after dark is when it's not dark. It's true. Unless you're just talking about how, like, it was dark last so night, wizard, and then you're just perennially so after dark. After dark only applied to when it was recorded. It, could it not refer to when someone listens to it? Could it not oh, refer to your general mood? Right, you're listening to could it. Could it not refer to the color of the room around you? You're having a it's cloudy day. very... Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of layers there. Could could it refer to a Hall of Fame shortstop, Alvin Dark? He's no go, longer a player. I, I would dark? strongly recommend it not refer to that. Just just out of my own morals, I just don't. I can't stand for that. So I'm Fred Katz. This is Tim Gato. After uh, that intro, I think it was pretty clear. <laughs> uh, if you if you're listening to this, that means uh, you probably subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a question. Why? <laughs> Why do you do that to yourself? I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. Wizards After Dark is now, uh, if you've been listening, you know it's now part of The Athletic. As of my last episode, which I recorded with Matt Moore, a season from the Action Network, a, a season preview type of deal where we, I came up with a bunch of over-unders and we went through them. You can go and listen to that either wherever you listen to podcasts and you can go listen to that uh, on The Athletic as well um would you say the podcast has gotten more athletic does the podcast have a better vertical leap has its 40 time improved how would it do at the nfl combine or nba to keep it topical so you can subscribe to wizards after dark if you want to on the athletic you can subscribe and you can get 40 percent off still on theathletic.com slash wizards after dark you can subscribe on itunes we're going to be up on spotify all the normal places that you listen to your podcasts and get your podcast you can get those there but there are also going to be bonus episodes it's probably going to be one a week i think i don't really know they don't keep me in on these things but there's going to be one a week uh running on the athletic as well which you'll get only if you're a subscriber to the athletic but you can still get all the free episodes if you just want to do that as well but i i suggest subscribing to the athletic because if you do it you don't just get the podcast you also get my coverage of the wizards you get the rest of our wizards coverage from david aldridge all that you get the rest of dc sports coverage nba coverage mlb coverage you get everything that we put up there and and my opinion it's worth the subscription let's talk about basketball first game wizards lost uh, 108, 100. Bradley Beal 
after Matt Moore and I had a whole conversation about Monday about how we, we both kind of realized in the moment that I set the over-under for Bradley Beal's technicals too high at 7.5 for the season. Brad had a very efficient technical night to go with his not very efficient shooting night. Ended up getting ejected on back-to-back technical fouls late in the game. We're going to talk about that. He had 19 points, 6 boards, 8 assists. On a 7-for-25 shooting night, 1-for-11 from 3, Luca had 34, uh, Rui really looked like he belonged, he had 14-10 and 10 in uh, 25 minutes played, uh, Mr. Cato, who covers the Mavericks for the Athletic, by the way, does great coverage, writes weird-ass stories, uh, what's your first takeaway from this thing? It was fitting that it ended on a Beal ejection, it was very much a... Uh, sloppy at times, definitely a, a ref show at times. We ended with how many fa- uh, travels? Nine? Nine, nine travels. Nine, nine travels. travels. It was great. Boy, wow. It was great. Amazing. Just just exactly how you want to open a season. Like, like truly, you. nobody wants, nobody actually wants just a perfectly executed game to open the season. We all want to be like, there's room for improvement and also yelling at the TV. You want both of those things because what you missed most about the NBA was yelling at the TV so I was tracking it, yeah. and I think that Ken Maurer called every one of the travels, <laughs> which is amazing. Now, it's extremely plausible that they were just in Ken Maurer's zone because that's how referees work, and a lot of it was like on the catch and goes, and the guy just took two steps and then was called for it, and so I guess that might be Ken Maurer's call, but I think Ken Maurer called all nine travels. Ken which Maurer awesome. also might have sprouted a third eye this offseason that only – searches out travels on the floor. Like, I literally don't think that after nine travels were called within 18 minutes, that's a, a unrealistic explanation to this. Do you want to hear a uh, fun Ken Maurer travel fact? I would. Ken Maurer summers in Florida. He is a Florida man. Yeah. That's summer Florida man. Well, that's that's his travel. Uh, let's, let's talk Beal. Let's talk Beal. Yeah. I want to talk Beal. Because Beal came out shooting terribly. He was shooting terribly all game. 7 for 25 from the field, like I said. 1 for 11 from 3. He was looking to distribute early. Like, from about midway through the second quarter until the end of the game when he was playing, he was really, really gunning. But from the beginning, it seemed like he was really trying to set guys up move the ball, set up teammates, all that kind of stuff, and wasn't looking as much for his own shot. Guys just weren't making shots. They shot, I think they started six for 20 or four for 26 or something like that from from three. They ended up 11 for 41. If they make a few of those threes, maybe it's a different game. If Beal doesn't shoot one for 11 from three, maybe it's a different game. But his his shot was off, but he played okay. Like, he was absurdly aggressive. He was wildly aggressive on Luka Doncic when he picked him up in the fourth quarter. He came in at around the six-minute mark. He played only 32 minutes, by the way. This is the guy who led the league in minutes per game, and they've talked about kind of having more of an emphasis on, on reducing that sort of stress on his body. And he played 32 minutes. That's, that's the thing to watch this year, to see if he's really going to play in the 32 to 34 range as opposed to the 37 range, which is where he led the league last year while playing all 82 games. He defended really well in the fourth. That's really, he was so hyped and so pesky and so annoying to Doncic that they ended up getting the double foul, and then he gets the second foul for waving off Jonathan Sterling who had, after getting the first foul. Um, 
it was kind of an interesting Beal performance in that I, I wonder if, like, this – he's not going to shoot like this. He's going to shoot well because he's Bradley Beal. But I wonder if this kind of style, distributing early, shooting late if guys don't have it, really saying, you know what, late in games, I'm picking up the, the best guy and I'm just going to be wildly aggressive on him and, like, try to Patrick Beverly that dude into obsolete basketball world. I wonder if that's the Bradley Beal we're going to get this year. Yeah, I think if I'm a Wizards fan, I look at this Beal performance and say, that's exactly what I want. Uh, you know, obviously the shots didn't go down, but they, they will. They Those shots will go down. I thought his quality was fine for the most part. He is a tough shot maker. And the fact that he went 7-24, I don't think is represented, representational of him getting just awful, awful looks. He's he's going to knock down more shots. So, you know, outside the, the, the weird ejection at the end, I think that more or less that is probably what – you want from Beal on a, on a nightly basis about you know 25 shots and you know uh, obviously uh, someone who who does kind of mix it up between just just distribution uh, into you know just really I'm gonna go score for this team you know even at the end he got a he got several three point looks that you know really would have made it interesting in the last couple of minutes it probably should have never got there but uh, the, the game was you know hanging hanging around for a second the, the Mavs had played with their food just long enough that that they had not close things out and, and that's what you want you want Beal with those with those threes you want Beal you know taking the best player just like you said uh he's always been able to you know do that or at least last season you know definitely he made a point of doing that and you know certainly doesn't look like like just because the, the roster around him might have uh you know he decreased even further in talent then you know it doesn't seem like that's changing any part of how he how he's going to you know approach the season uh you know certainly not on game one so you know all things considered I I, I thought it was you know, more or less what, what you want from a player who is far, far and away the most talented player on this roster. So Scott Brooks has this saying, which I really like, which is you're in a good spot when your stars want to play like role players. And I think that's like a really great saying for team building and team environment in basketball. Like I love the way that that's phrased. You want your stars to play like role players, right? And you can totally conceptualize what that means. And I think especially in the fourth quarter, Bradley Beal was playing like a role player. Like, yeah, obviously he's taking shots that role players aren't going to take. But he's there guarding the other the other team's best guy, doing a really good job. Like, Luka was hot as hell. He had 32 through three quarters, was hitting everything, was getting straight line drives to the rim, was hitting step backs, was getting open looks, was taking advantage. Even once Bradley Beal is in, like, there's a play where uh, – Luca is about to run a pick and roll. The guy slips the screen and just pops the three-point line. Jordan McRae lost him, and Luca finds him for an open three. But, like, that wasn't Beal's fault. McRae kind of switched. Beal didn't kind of switch. That's just kind of ironing out a defense with guys who are not defenders. That's not Beal's fault. Like, he defended Luca really well. This is not the, always the best way to describe how a guy defends, but I think it is in this case. Luca didn't score against him when he was wildly hot before that. He got frustrated, and Beal even said he just went out there trying to frustrate him, trying to get in his head. Like That's the kind of thing that if Rui Hachimura and Isaac Bonga and even Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown and the guys who were around last year, Admiral Schofield, Chris Chioza, Garrison Matthews, all the young guys on this team, if they look and they say, oh, wow, if, if Brad's doing that, like I better do that. Because if the top guy, if the top dog on the team is doing that and I'm not, what's that say about me? So that's like a strong environment setting 
moment, you know? And I think that's probably a good thing for the young guys to see their best player being like, no, uh, this is how I'm going to play. And he doesn't even need to say, this is how I expect you to play too. I can't imagine it's a bad thing. It's it's certainly, it worked to an extent. Um, it, it is how you should play Luka in those moments. Um, obviously, he's seen that a hundred times. He was playing against grown men in, in Europe. I, I think the thing is that, that Luka is such a smart player that he knows the proper play is to give it up when you have someone pressing you really high up the court and, you know, help coming. And, and you know, he is certainly a – he is an isolation player to an extent, but he is not James Harden. He's not going to beat uh, Beal off the dribble necessarily or, or not without several back-and-forth moves because this is his real strength. This is lateral movement and his stop-and-start ability. So he is someone who's going to run a pick-and-roll, and then if you blitz him on the pick-and-roll, he's going to give it up. And, you know, he is, uh, you know, a sensational passer and can and can kill you that way. But, you know, when, when he is hurting you, uh, you know, with the shot or he's hurting you um, by, by you know, not lazy, but passive switching on pick and rolls, if you just have one guy saying, I am going to guard this man, I'm going to go over the pick every time, you know, I think that is probably the best thing to do there because he will relent a little bit because Luca, you know, he will hunt for shots, but but not not always, you know, he's... He's still a smart player who who knows the right play to make, and so uh, you know I, I assume that it was both coaching and and Beal's decision. You know it was a combo decision there to to really change the defense and 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 let Beal affect Doncic in that way. But you know I, I think it was definitely right, and it definitely did slow down the Mavericks in the fourth quarter, where they only managed 17 points after uh, you know 24, 38, and, and and 29 in the in the first three respectively. So the Wizards didn't have that great of an offensive game by any means. They didn't shoot the ball well. I think in a lot of cases the offense actually went a little stagnant. But the shot selection was pretty solid. They made pretty, for the most part, they made, I thought, pretty quick decisions. There were times where, you know, one of the backups would get the ball at the top of the key and just kind of wait for a screen or wait for something to happen and 30 feet away from the hoop someone would get in Jordan McRae's face and Jordan McRae's a natural score not a natural it, one um, it, it felt like their bad shots came because of lack of talent and yeah. the shot clock going down because they couldn't make anything happen not you know lack of decision making or good right. decision making it, it did feel like, like I thought it churned okay right um, you know like look I'm trying to look for positives here because you can't go through a season like this with a roster this young and like missing this many you know essential roles that you would want to fill on a team and just say well they lost so I guess it went terribly like you can't do that and I think the Wizards know that right like Tommy Shepard talked about before the year this year is going to be judged by development Scott Brooks says this year is going to be judged by development even Bradley Beal has talked about that a little bit so I think, like, the way I'm going to talk about the Wizards, and I'm not talking to you now, Tim. I'm talking to the, the listeners. The way I'm going to talk about the Wizards this year is with that in mind, because I agree with that. The way this year is is development. Luca is awesome, by the way. Speaking of development, geez, like, he's an all-star now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the, it was one of my preseason predictions and one of several prediction columns I, I churned out because that is that is what you do when it's preseason and, and you need to write things. Uh, but yes, one of one of the predictions somewhere in there was Luka Doncic as as a uh, you know the the first Mavericks All Star representation I think since you know I guess Dirk as the you know as the nod this year was technically an All Star and 
I don't think they've I don't think they've had a non Derek All Star since technically Jason Kidd, right after he was traded, he was named an All Star with the Nets. I think that's correct. So it's been a while. Is is, is what I'm getting. Yeah, at. that it's would been, have been like nine years ago. Yeah, and, years and that ago. wasn't he wasn't even playing for the Mavericks. He was playing for didn't did Josh Howard make it one year? He might have. He, I think. I think. I think Josh Howard. Yeah, that made, one year he averaged like nineteen or something. He started really hot. He made the All Star team. He did fade as the season went along, but he played well enough to make yeah. All Star. I think. I think that was their last non Dirk, non player who just got traded because the Jason Kidd thing was weird because he played. He was still playing for the Nets, but everybody knew the trade was going through. It just hadn't gone through yet. Yeah, it was that awkward. So I guess technically he wasn't even representing. He was representing the Eastern Conference while everybody in the stands and their mothers knew that he was going to be a Maverick. The trade had just not been completed yet. Let's Weird talk Rui. Let's talk yeah. Rui. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to get there. What, what are your th- – so I've, I've given some thoughts on Rui so far on the podcast. It's the first time we've seen him play a real game. So just a clue – People in, Rui finished with 20, in, in 25 minutes, 7 for 15 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. He had 14 points, 10 boards. Um, what would you think? Four offensive rebounds. He, he looks like he belongs. He looks like an NBA player. I mean, there was hardly, you know, by no means perfect. Um, you know, I, I do think that, that there are definitely moments where he got overpowered, but I think there's also moments where he overpowered someone else. And, like, that's a that's a good sign for, for a NBA uh, big that, that they are, you know, coming, you know, 3-4, whatever position is. But, you know, a bigger-sized NBA player, um, you know, that, that you're able to use your size and muscle and, you know, look like a, a big body out there who is, you know, capable of, of, of uh, you know, scoring at an NBA level. I... Um, of course, I, I do think that, you know, to be his best player, he, he can't step in from the three-point line and, and shoot, you know, 22-foot jumpers. But, you know, this is a developmental season for him, for the entire Wizards organization. You know, I have no problem with that in, in a vacuum, you know, uh, or I guess not a vacuum. The, the, they're the context of this situation of him as a player, he needs to do what's most comfortable for him right now and develop into, you know, a better version of himself. And uh, I think that is the expectation for the season, that, that you take the good. And, and I think there was an, enough good that, that you should be optimistic and excited for a player like that. And you should say, all right, he's good at these things. He's able to do these things. How can he be better at those things or better at, at other things by the end of the year? So, So to me, the biggest thing that needs to change for Rui and it doesn't have and I and I agree he looked good and he definitely looks like he belongs the numbers to me are a little and maybe I'll be proven wrong on this but the numbers to me are a little inflated because he he shot pretty well from mid-range unless he's going to be like a 48% mid-range shooter which is I'm going to say there's a greater than 0% chance of it because he was that in college he was like 45, 47, something like that from mid-range last year in college, which is an incredible percentage. So I'm not going to say there's no chance that he's going to be able to do that. But if you're shooting 48 from mid-range on a high volume, you are a tier one mid-range shooter. You are one of the absolute top elite mid-range shooters in the league. And with the way that he plays, they basically used him tonight, and I said this to you during the game, they basically used him tonight. I was looking at I was like, this looks like how the Heat used Chris Bosh in 2013. And in 2013, that first year of that Miami team, was that? No, I'm thinking like more like 2011 Chris Bosh. Right. Right, where like Chris Bosh isn't shooting threes yet. And he's just running like pick and pops at the elbow, 
And he's almost like popping in. You're asking a Dallas person whether Chris Bosh and yeah. the Miami Big Three was together in 2011? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. I think they were. What, what, what exactly happened there? I think did they, they did were. Did they go to the finals? I think they were. I think they did. What I happened? Think, I think I can't remember who won that year. Mm. Uh, you know what's amazing? When we, we were in uh, Philly for the last exhibition game last week, and Roy Hibbert is a player development coach for the 76ers now, and all I was thinking about, I was thinking about, like, I mean, what a very quick, he's only 33 years old. Like, what a unbelievably quick fall from being an all-star and finishing second in Defensive Player of the Year. And I was remembering that Eastern Conference Finals that they played when he was on Indiana, that they played against Miami. And the big thing was, oh, man, how is he going to defend Chris Bosh? Chris Bosh can stretch all the way out to the mid-range. And that was spacing. Think about how much the game has changed. That it's like now spacing to the mid-range. But so th- that's kind of my point with Rui, right? Like he's setting screens on a high pick and roll or a side pick and roll at the three-point line. And he's popping to the free throw line. That's not an automatically horrible thing. But when it's your bread and butter, he's going to be better off if he can pop to the three-point line in those moments because he's still putting up kind of contested mid-rangers. And I, although I am an analytically and mathematically inclined basketball watcher, I'm not a person who believes every single mid-range shot you take has to go away. That's not the case. If you have a great mid-range shooter who gets a wide-open catch-and-shoot look, that's fine. That's a high-percentage look. That's why he's a great mid-range shooter. But you got to be a great mid-range shooter for the math to make sense there because chances are he's eventually going to be able to hit from three. And if he can't hit from three yet, he can't hit from three. Again, this is development. But that's just going to be another step for him because you watch him and it kind of looks like 2011 pick-and-pop basketball, not 2019 pick-and-pop basketball, especially with a four and not a five. Every single stat in basketball is contextual. It it needs the context behind it of of the player, the situation, the team, you know, the shot clock, the, you know, and, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. Like, every single time that stats people reference. Now, there's some stats people who, you know, just blindly say the stats say this. Um, and I think that's the worst example. But, you know, I think most NBA writers who really enjoy using advanced stats in their writing, you know, do really emphasize, all right, this is the context behind it. So, you know, uh, the context behind Rui is that, if this is his first year and that the Wizards are not going anywhere. And so if he needs to take mid-range shots as he grows more comfortable in the NBA game... That's fine. That's fine. And if he is getting open shots that in this Wizards offense, especially when Beal is off the court, that might be a perfectly fine half-court shot for this Wizards team. They may not be able to generate much better looks much more often than that. So... You know, you look at all the context behind it, and there's no issue with it. There's, there really isn't. Now, you, you just you have to be looking forward. You have to be understanding that he's shooting mid-range shots with the hope that he grows into a three-point shooter who stretches all the way out there. You know, you're not doing it to teach him bad habits. You're, you know, you he he has to have a vision of what he is in the future in mind. But, but yeah, no, I, I think that you know, I I, I have no issue with it. Um, I, I do agree that. You know, I don't think he's going to be average 14 and 10. I, th- I think he will have 14 and 10 a lot of nights. Um, he will probably, you know, from the player I saw, I don't think he's going to go over that a lot. You know, every 10 games, he's going to have a 20-point game. 
um, right. maybe something like that. And I think, you know, every th- four games he might score less than 10 points. Uh, maybe every three games he's less than 10 points. So I, I do not think he's going to average 14 and 10. Uh, probably, uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that you know that's that's going to be a stat line you see a lot, um, and uh, even if his averages are a little bit below that, you know, I, I still think that all the good things that you know you you saw in him tonight uh, are you know positives moving forward. Yeah, and he had some look. He had some nice offensive boards too. He had a very composed moment late in the game, which you know what would have been pretty unremarkable if a seven-year vet did it, if a three-year vet did it, but just in his first NBA game that he ever played, late in the game, in a single-digit point game, he gets an he gets a rebound, a defensive rebound, and he's kind of falling out of bounds, off balance, and before he goes, he has the presence to find where the ref is and call timeout while, like, clutching the ball to his chest. Unremarkable play when you're in your third year. Maybe it's even an unremarkable play at the end of this year, but just, like, in your first-ever NBA game... It's a remarkable play... For Wizards After Dark. <laughs> and that's what's important. And during dark. And during dark. Before dark. We're always before dark. It's We're always a, after dark. It's just a constant state of darkness. That's the beauty of the world, my friend. Beauty is one word for it. We are always both before and after dark. Do we have anything? Yeah, you know what? You know what was interesting? Jordan McCray in a port, point guard list closing lineup. First closing lineup of the year did not have Ish Smith. And didn't have uh, starter Isaac Bonga, who was like, okay tonight. Played better than I thought he would Although play. that essentially just means Beal is the point guard, right? Yeah, it yeah. does. It yeah. does. Uh, and, and that's fine. Like, I have no problem with that. I think Beal basically has point guard skills now. He, he's, he's very good at running pick and roll. He, I, he's become a legitimately like good, good, very good passer. Beal, to me, is a combo guard now. We, he just plays shooting guard because he's always been a shooting guard. And when he came up, he was kind of a conventional shooting guard. But he's a combo guard now. I mean, he, he facilitates, and you're going to play with a point guard off the ball all the time anyway. Uh, but, yeah, they closed with Jordan McRae, Bradley Beal, Hachimura, Bertans, and Thomas Bryant. Bertans had a terrible plus-minus tonight, worse than the team, minus 17. But he had a hard job. He had to guard Luka. He was basically their defensive dude until Brad picked up Luca in the fourth quarter. And I've had the conversation on this podcast many times over the summer, who's the best defender on the team. I think it's pretty clear that Bradley Beal is the best defender on the team. And I've kind of always thought, he, for one possession, he's the guy that I want at the end of the game. I think on the aggregate throughout a game, because Beal just can't do what he did to Luca for six minutes tonight, five minutes. He can't do that for 48 minutes. It's just so exhausting. And he might get ejected in the first quarter, too, if he doesn't. <laughs> so I, I think I think Bertans might be the guy. I think he might be the guy who gives them the most positive defensive contributions just, like, throughout a game this year. He, I thought he actually had a pretty nice defensive performance tonight he was good he for a guy so tall he gets around screens well and like I thought he was pretty good tonight so that's my my Berton's observation he went two for six from three that ain't keeping up he's gonna now he's just gonna have a game where he's four for six from three because that's what he does I could not care less there's not a bad three that he could possibly take in which I would say that's a bad shot um I think he was standing at the Mavs logo at one point, and I, I looked over and said, shoot it, and I was joking, but was I? 
I mean, he's an outrageous shooter. It was probably a good 35-footer, and, and he probably makes at least 25% of those in practice. Oh, in practice? I bet he makes more. If we're talking about, like, in practice? It's a long shot. Yeah. But it was it was, really it was probably about 30, yeah, probably like 35 feet. So that's even further past, like, those four-point lines that yeah. a lot of teams are adding. But, yeah, he makes a lot. It's it, the, the amount of practice shots that NBA players make. Yeah. Is, uh, is absurd. Oh, guys are wild in practice. Uh, anything else before we go? I don't think so. I think I think we talked about um, all the Wizards players I wanted to talk about and, and a few more. <laughs> well, we talked about everyone. Uh, observation also. Justin Robinson didn't play until 37 seconds left in the game for garbage time. And Chris Chioza, on a two-way contract, played over him. So Justin Robinson made the team over Chioza. Then they signed Chioza to a two-way, and Chioza is getting the backup point guard minutes in game one. That's a weird thing. Now, Justin Robinson had a $250,000 guarantee, but they gave that to him. So, Fred, I'm only saying this because you would want me to say it. There's no two ways about that. (laughs) (laughs) That was a high five. Yes. Uh, Plug Tim as much as it kills me to say he does. Like, awesome work. And is one of the VPs of uh, NBA Weird Story Town. So, Weird Story Town now? It's a town. We're a, we Community? have vice presidents of towns? Towns, yeah. Can yeah. I be, like, the assistant mayor? Chris, Chris Herring is the mayor. Yeah, that's why I said assistant mayor. Yeah, yeah. But I just, like, a vice president would be over mayor, I think. Can I just be a yeah. council, city council member? Sure, you're a city that's, council That's all member. I'm asking, and, and I want to head a... Uh, I think we're both city council members of that. I want to head a committee. Like, that's, that's not too much to You're going to head the Slovenian Relations Committee. Yes, yes. I, I did I did go to Slovenia for a story. I mean, it was half an excuse to go on a vacation to Slovenia, but, it, but I, okay, I actually wrote 4,000 words about it, which is a lot of words. I think they're good. I think it's an interesting... Essentially, it's a look about... It's a look at the country and why they care so much about Luka Doncic and, um, you know, just how the history of the country really reflects onto this player who is on the precipice of becoming the greatest Slovenian athlete of of all time. It's already not too soon to say something like that. Yeah. Is is Dragic the best now? Um, They've had a lot of good athletes, and that is something that, that this country, they have an abnormal amount of success, athletic success for a country of that that has a size of two million. So but it's all in the piece. I would love to you for you to read it. If not, you know, not gonna be too mad. But it's out there. Go read that. Follow Tim on Twitter. What's your handle again on Twitter? Tim underscore Kato. C A T O on the last name. Does does K E T O do people K-K- do people think that all the C- time now? K A T O, yeah. yeah people, well no like the Kato diet. Do people reference oh, that to you now? Oh, keto. It's keto. It's pronounced keto? It's keto, you moron. It's pronounced keto. God. Oh, well. Sorry, that was me going into I've been around Tim McMahon too long tonight, <laughs> where I just start insulting people for no reason. So yeah, I've been around you too long because I'm making terrible puns. That's true. I've been around Tim McMahon too long because I'm just, you You're know. being horribly insulting and offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the first time I've been called a moron on my own podcast, though. I mean, you did think keto, the keto diet was I thought it was keto? pronounced keto. It's an E, not an A. I guess that's a, 
that's a good it's a good point, but that doesn't really sell me on it. All right, this podcast has gone too long because we're talking about the keto diet. That's true. We're not going to do any more after this. Uh, as the vice, as the vice so president of this podcast, I am putting an end to it. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, give us five stars. Leave a rating. The rating, as I always say, it for some reason helps more than people realize, more than I realized, more than people realize. Uh, we will be back. I will be back on Friday. After the OKC game, another post-game podcast, and uh, I'll be – what am I doing? I'm not going to be doing a podcast. So last year I did a post-game show for every single game. This year I'm going to do it for a bunch of games, but it's not going to be literally every single game. Uh, I'll let you know in advance when I'm not doing one in all likelihood. So Saturday they play San Antonio, second night of a back-to-back. I won't be at that game. Uh, I'll be watching that at home, and I will not be podcasting after it. But I will be podcasting with guests Friday after the OKC game, and I will talk to you guys then.